You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I think I've got a really good one here for you with my buddy, Cohen Hartman, otherwise known as Spiralcaster. Great dude. And I really had an incredible time talking to him. Before we get into that episode, though, just a little bit of house cleaning and whatnot, as sometimes has to occur. So, first of all, I have had a few messages asking about the pedal giveaway we were doing a few weeks ago. And yes, there has been a winner. That person is not on social media. Um, so I did not bother doing an announcement in the traditional way. But uh, Jack Malarkey, which is not his real name, but is how he likes to be addressed publicly, uh, won the pedal, the Stir of Echoes. And that probably sounds like a bunch of malarkey to you. But hey, trust me, I'm sending him the pedal. I've got plenty of pedals. It's not like I uh, am sitting there hoarding all the love pedal delays. So he is getting that. I promise. I promise. I promise. And yes, he did win that fair and square. So yeah, with that out of the way, let's see. What else do we have? Oh, yes. Thank you very much to everyone who has been buying gear through ToneMob.com slash Sweetwater. That has been enormously helpful. Sweetwater is very kind with the percentage they share with their affiliates and everybody seriously thank you so much i know it takes a little bit of extra brain juice to try to remember tonemob.com sweetwater that is the place to go for anything that sweetwater carries and for anything else if you're shopping around for some vintage acts go to tonemob.com reverb and a little bit of those purchases come back and help support the show and it doesn't cost you anything extra Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, all that good stuff. So please do that if you can, because it really helps out a lot over here. So yeah, I think that's probably good enough. I mean, I suppose I could ask you just one more time, if you haven't had a chance yet, to go back and listen to the record I put out as a podcast. It's just a couple episodes back in this very same podcast player, wherever you're hearing this. It is called Tom, Do You Have Anything Sharp on You? And it's a very strange, weird audio experience and if you like that kind of thing it's there for you and that is the sole place it will be available for the next 30 days although we might be doing a vinyl release maybe you didn't hear it from me but keep your ears peeled that's the thing right wait no ears to the ground eyes peeled whatever i got it screwed up i'm sorry oh yeah and one more thing i was just on an episode of one of my favorite podcasts, the Peer Pleasure Podcast. You've probably heard Dewey on this before. He was on quite a while back. I don't know. I don't know how many episodes ago he was on, but he was, and it was fantastic. And then he allowed me to come onto his podcast, and we had a great chat. So if you want to go check that out when you're done with this episode, I recommend you do just that if you need more of me blabbing in your life. Okay, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Mr. Cohen Hartman. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar things occasionally, once in a while, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have Cohen Hartman who you might know better as Spiralcaster. What's going on, dude? 
Hey, how's it going, Blake? Thanks for having me uh, on here today. Yes, I know. You're. It's not like you're in the comfort of your own space. You're right here with me, snuggled up nice and close, gazing longingly into each I, other's eyes. I, I can smell you right now. Good thing I showered. That would have been rough. Would have been a bad deal. I was rolling was around in my attic the other day, and that that just is a wonderful scent. You use that Doctor Squatch, don't you? <laughs> I, I probably should. I probably should. You know, it seems According like to them. Everything else, yeah, is is bad, and you should. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've been tempted before. I'm like, this is good advertising. <laughs> it's right. starting to starting to make me question my uh, my normal Dove soap. I'm not going to lie. But uh, yeah, man, I'm really excited to have you on. I've been watching you for, I don't know, at least, I feel like it's been at least two years doing, you know, demos and mostly demos. That's what I know you from is doing really great sounding, great riffy demos. And then we met briefly at the EQD party in 2019. No, that was 2020. It was 2020. It was was, uh, right before... (laughs) Right before all this craziness went down, yeah. <laughs> it, it's hard for me to imagine that that was actually in 2020 because in my mind, 2020, we didn't do anything like that. You know, we didn't we didn't have get-togethers in 2020, but that was I, right before. I know, and I did want to. I wanted to bring that up because um, it's funny. I remember meeting you, and I'm honestly, I'm I'm a little embarrassed just because I felt like such a fish out of water. I, I showed up to, to Nam on, on a whim. It, it was already happening. I think I, I came on Saturday, right. And they run Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And on Friday I was just, I was sitting in my studio space and looking through my Instagram feed and everybody I knew was at Nam. Um, I had been in the game for like a little less than a year at that point. And uh, I have, I have a friend who works for Personas, which is a local company for me. They're, they're here in Baton Rouge. And, uh, I was just texting him. I was like, man, because I knew he was he was going and he was going for Saturday and Sunday and he was going to leave on a plane the next morning. And I was just like, oh, I wish I could come with you. And he was like, dude, I'll get you a pass. <laughs> and then well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And that turned into like a seven hundred dollar plane ticket. And uh, I didn't even know where I was rooming that night. But so I was <clears throat> a little out of my element. And uh, I don't think I you know, I wasn't familiar with you at the time. I, I there were a lot of things I didn't know. A lot of people I didn't um follow yet you know and um so i apologize if we didn't get to to talk a whole lot i was uh i was trying to figure out at that eqd party what my place was or who to talk to or what was nobody knew who i was <laughs> <laughs> i did i knew i knew oh, who you were oh well, thank you. <laughs> well at the time i was doing a lot of work for uh solid gold effects and yeah, um yeah and uh they uh you know they're a great company and really liked all their stuff. But uh, at the time I was doing a lot of work for them. And so Alex, who used to work there uh, also, he, he is who introduced me to your work. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's, that's so that's how I got familiar. I did know that about you at the time because Alex and I are close. We talk, uh, gosh, probably multiple times a week with 30 minute phone calls. Mm -hmm. Sounds about right. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, no, I, I love the guy. And, and at the time I was already working deeply with him and he had started mass uh, working for mass, you know, a few months before that. So, yeah, um, it is crazy to think that that was just that was already 2020. And, you know, we leave there. We have this 
feeling of like things are normal and then everything crashes right after that. It's, it's so bizarre. It's such a, it, like I said, in my mind that uh, that was almost 2019. I was like, no, that can't have been 2020. But nothing so, cool so, happened in 2020. <laughs> no, something told me I needed to be there. I needed to experience, you know, and I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad that that little, um, you know, uh, Geppetto, what, what's the, uh, what's the, the guy in Pinocchio that's like always hopping on his shoulder and, and telling him. Things? Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket, right. Geppetto's the mm-hmm. old man. Um, Jiminy Cricket told me to go. And, and I'm glad because I haven't been able to interact with uh, any of you people in in physical space except for right now we're sitting right next to each other obviously of course yeah we don't want to break the 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 illusion everyone (laughs) but no it's um it's just uh nam is a really interesting thing and i've been talking a lot about nam in particular with people mostly Mm. off the air but it's a it's such a it's such a dinosaur of an event um and I think a lot of manufacturers this year, a lot of brands have discovered, if they did not already know, that not going to NAM, NAM not existing for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. isn't really affecting their business. And that's something that, you know, I, I work with a lot of different companies in this space, and that is always one of the big questions. Like, do we want to do NAM? Do we want to spend... It's expensive. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I, if you're doing it as cheap as possible at winter NAM, you know, by the time you pay people to, you know, your employees, I mean, even if you're doing it by yourself, by the time you get the booth space, you get do everything, you're looking at eight, 10 grand, bare minimum. And, and, and it is, it is, nuts. it is. And on top of that, it's also, it's kind of a revealing um, sort of um, event. At least it, it was for me from an outsider perspective, you know, coming into you know the industry um, there's a lot to learn you know it's not like there's a, a guidebook for for this and and the pedal industry crosses over so many other music industries um it's it's complicated you kind of assume you know your average guitar player or teenager that buys pedals plays pedals you assume that all these companies all these builders that that they're all big you know you, you just assume like oh man that that company that big company you know and to you, you know, there's no difference between solid gold effects or old blood noise endeavors or, or EQD, you know, unless you follow those people and, and, and you know, and then you get to NAM and you see these mega booths for, you know, boss, uh, Behringer, you know, pe- people that have their own basements. And then you see like a, a table for, for, <laughs> for another company and, and, you know, somewhere upstairs and it, and it, it puts a lot of things in perspective. When you live online and you don't, you know, you have to go to these kinds of events, you can kind of create your own hype, your own size, um, and kind of live outside that space being compared, you know, to, to everyone else. I don't know. Maybe that's not a thing. It's it's definitely a thing to some degree, but it's also not always the greatest indicator. Because, for instance, like Behringer is a good, great example. They're one of the biggest music gear companies sure. in the world, sure. you know, regardless of how anybody feels about them. They are one of the biggest companies in the industry. They're huge. They haven't been at NAM at all 
for the last two or three years, some, somewhere wow. in the ballpark. You know? Really, really. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see anything from them, but I, I think I, I just thought I had heard somebody talking about it. Um, but I did they, see some boss stuff there. Boss is always there. I don't imagine yeah. that boss ever will not be there because of right. the type of company they are. But Behringer, well, Music Tribe, which is the parent company of Behringer, mm-hmm. uh, TC Electronic, Midas, yeah. a handful of other things. Right. And uh, they they always had this. I mean, like this small city set up in the middle of Nam, And one year they just straight up were like, we don't see a value in doing this anymore. They don't have to. They don't have to. And yeah. I'd, I would argue that most people don't have to anymore. Um, I, I, I just did an episode with Josh from JHS and we were talking about this same thing. And he said, after that same Nam that we're talking about, he, you know, looked at how much he spent, which he said was around 50 grand. Whoa. And he got got all his stuff loaded up with his team and he told them, we're not doing this again. <laughs> like, we're not we're not coming back next year, at least not in not like this. We're not having a booth, and we're not doing this. He thing. didn't. And he didn't. And he but he decided that before Rona was. A, I mean, it was a thing. But, but before we really knew yeah, the extent yeah, of it, right, right, <laughs> you know, right, for sure. uh, in retrospect, Nam was probably a super spreader event. Um I was going to say that a little while ago, and I got sick when I came back. Devon uh, Blue, mm-hmm. he he got sick there and yes. and had to leave early. I remember. It's it's crazy. I mean, that's the thing about Nam is Namthrax has been a Nam thing yeah. for a long time. Like I got it really bad the first year I went. I the first year I went, I came home and just infected my whole family with this horrible <laughs> like flu. Uh, it was gnarly and um you know so it's already kind of that that's like like you know it's perfect breeding ground everybody's touching the same guitars everyone's breathing on each other it's oh, yeah. just like it, it's a petri dish yeah oh yeah <laughs> um, but no I, I mean i still i still had a blast i wish uh i wish we could you know that's the one thing i i personally wish we could have back um you know with with nam since now i'm getting you know um, a little bit more clearance to, you know, come to these, these events, um, is I would just like to see people, you know, I would like to like to be there on your couch next to you, um, or on a couch at, at Nam, um, hanging out with you or hanging out with, with Ian or Devon or Alex, you know, or any of these, these builders that I've worked with. Um, cause I think, you know, the relationship, the human physical relationship aspect of everybody working together is, is important. There's something to be said for that. That's the true value in it. And that's all that's really, if you talk to anyone that's done it, that's all the time, that's all you care about. Nobody cares about anything, any other aspect of it. And I, I wonder, and Brian Wampler and I have talked about this for a long time. And Josh and I were also talking about this on that episode. Like maybe we need to take control ourselves. You know, maybe we need to have our own event once we can, you know, once we can safely have events like, why doesn't everybody come to I, I always bring up Portland because Portland's like a real a real pedal city. Like there's been small oh, events yeah. that were massively successful here in Portland with so many builders. Yeah. There. So and, and the interest level is really high in the in the population that's around here. And so it's like, why don't we have a, a pedal event? You know, we get a bunch of food trucks, we get a bunch of uh, builders to come have some booths. We make it so you can actually buy and sell stuff on the you know, on the showroom floor, so to speak, 
and we just have a great time hanging out and we don't charge four hundred billion dollars for a booth like is that, that the official doable. that's the official rate four hundred billion dollars well for, I think for so. a table at NAM. I think, wow yeah, I all right so. folks yeah. there you heard it right out of, <laughs> right out of Blake's mouth I can tell you this. I can't remember exactly what the numbers are, and my listeners have heard this before, but uh, I tried to do – I've done a pizza party at NAM every year, and we quickly outgrew the restaurant that we were reserving by the second year. It was like, okay, we can't come back here. There's just – we completely <laughs> took it over. Uh, and so for 2020, I had over 100 people that had RSVP'd for it, and – I was trying to do it through the official channels. I was trying to go through Nam and get a room up top for an hour or two and do it all on the up and up. And I can't remember the exact number, but it was somewhere between like eight and 12 grand that it was going to cost me for the room and to have them cater the pizza and all that jazz. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. I'll go buy a few hundred dollars in pizza and do it on the sidewalk. Like I'm not paying that kind of money for this. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's insane. So I didn't. And uh, that's just uh, one of the many fees they try to get you with uh, there. So I think they need to readjust their business model. I do love Nam. I do love the excitement and the fun that comes with it. But man, I think it's kind of a dinosaur. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Here we are in our virtual, you know, uh, boxes separate from each other. And we've still been making things happen. Yeah. You know, a lot of innovation has come out in, in 2020. A lot of innovation is coming out in 2021. My desk is, is loaded right now um, with stuff that's coming out in March and April and I'm I'm pretty behind. Uh, But obviously, you know, people have been thinking they've been home. They've had time to maybe work on those plans that they had put aside, you know, and, uh, and say for a rainy day. So it's interesting seeing that, you know, come out of this. Definitely. Definitely. Well, we've been talking about a lot of, you know, Nam centric stuff, but we really need to get into you. What's your sure. story? You, you've done a lot of things. You, I saw you just one day, all of a sudden just making excellent gear demos, but I know you didn't just wake up one day and start making excellent gear demos. So what is your story? <laughs> no, I started by making pretty, uh, pretty terrible demos uh, uh, to begin with. Um, Yeah. uh, Gosh, where do I go back? When I was a baby. uh, No, I... uh, Wherever the guitar came into your life, that's a good place to start. That, you know what? Thank you. Right. That helps me. That gives me a good starting point. Uh, My my grandfather has had a Zydeco band for 30 somewhat years. I mean, the man has probably played 500 plus shows uh, in the last 30, 35 years. And he's a collector, um, kind of a gear nerd, you know, and he buys, sells trades, um, deals with a lot of firearms too. And he'll do a lot of firearm trades for like guitars and accordions and violins. And, um, he was the kind of guy that was like the, the band organizer. He booked the shows and, um, brought gear you know he would have like different musicians show up Zydeco music's pretty simple so you know you call a bass player up from from Thibodeau or down the bayou and he doesn't have to go rehearse with you guys like you know they're all they're playing like the same 17 songs you know that people have been playing for for decades you know Cajun music right and um so he would stockpile instruments 
in this big studio space that he had at his house. And I live pretty close to them. So, you know, one day he gave me a guitar. I was like 12. He gave me like a, a Squire Strat, you know, it's like what everybody starts off with. And um, I was pretty excited. I think I played flute for a long time before that. And I grew up like playing piano. Uh, so, you know, cause I do like synth stuff too. And, uh, then, you know, fast forward a year later, I upgrade to some, some better guitars. The man had like 30 guitars in his studio. And, and, and I start to quickly realize like, he's got a treasure trove of gear, you know, in, in his space and he record bands. Um, he was the only like recording studio for, you know, miles uh, around. So he taught me how to record. Um, I started writing songs, you know, I never took any lessons. I just kind of, you know, um, would watch like Weezer music videos and, um, you know, look up to, I think ultimate guitar was just a thing at, at the time. And you could go on the internet and like find these crappy tabs that people were terrible at, at writing out, but, you know, would generally give you a sense of things and learn all these raging against the machine system of a down pink Floyd, Beatles, you know, stuff and um, started recording like songs. So this kind of more, you know, gets into like writing for me because, you know, I guess that's my, my shtick, right? That's my thing um, with, with these demos is that I'm, you know, writing the songs that are writing songs. And I knew I needed to like establish that early on, by the way, just with the, with the demo thing, because at the time that I started two years ago this month, I noticed a lot of people weren't doing that. You know, a lot of people um, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but not everybody has the, the capacity, you know, or the time or the interest to be able to, you know, whip up like all original content all the time, you know. Um, and it doesn't necessarily show off a pedal any better than, you know, uh, a cover would or, or say something like that. But I probably wouldn't be interested in doing this at all if it wasn't something where I could, you know, use as a creative outlet. Right. So. That studio was where, you know, I started writing a lot and I was, I would make these like terrible records at like 14, 15, 16. I'd go and stay with my grandparents for a week and hold myself up with, uh, um, God, I had the XP 300 space station and I didn't even know it was just like this big yellow thing that was in a box, you know, um, and, and synths and, and, and electronic drum sets. I would invite friends uh, from down the street that knew how to sing or play violin, things like that. And then I'd make these records that, you know, when I say make a record, I mean, I was, I was like very roughly mixing the stuff. I didn't know what mastering was. I didn't know any specs, you know, um, or how loud things should be. You know, I just kind of mixed the taster to my ear. And then I would go to school the next week and I would sell my CDs. Um, in, in high school, you know, so that, that kind of became my thing. And, uh, you know, finally started some bands and, um, my, my dad passed away in hurricane Katrina. So for those of you who don't know, I'm pretty close to new Orleans in, um, Louisiana. I live in Baton Rouge, which is about an hour North. So we don't have all the craziness that goes down in new Orleans, but we have a lot of the, the, the music talent. We had a pretty good scene. Um, for for many years and a lot of musicians from new orleans actually live here um and then we got affected by hurricane katrina quite a bit my dad passed away and i needed something positive in my life uh, i knew you know i was 16 i was a sophomore in high school and it, the thought just struck me i was listening are you familiar with streetlight manifesto it's like oh this, yeah definitely oh 
Oh, good. I don't really know that many people anymore these days that uh, that know that name. But I was listening to a lot of Streetlight Manifesto, Real, Real Big Fish, and um, God, a, th- a thousand other you know indie ska bands that I think I was like torrenting off of uh, Napster. And um, I was like, I I need something positive. I want to I want to start a ska band. I just want to make music that is energetic, is fun, and and then it all started from there. You know, did did a ska band for like a few years. Um, and and just never i never was was not in a band from that point forward until i started demoing pedals um two two years ago um so you know that just led me to to writing a a, a lot i quickly kind of realized that um that is that was that was my passion that's what got me up in the morning that's that's what excited me you know if i um you know, if everybody else would go to bed, my roommates would go to bed, you know, as I get into college and, and stuff like that. And I would be the one that was just staying up through the night recording, um, dropped out of college, you know, a band, a different band that I had formed by the time I got into college um, called Cohen and the Ghost. We had gotten a pretty big following in Louisiana and we were pretty, you know, established. So we went on a tour. I dropped out of college to go on tour. I actually, I never officially dropped out. I just stopped going. I think I emailed my teachers <laughs> I, to this day. I don't even know what, you know, what my file says. I have, I have no idea. Um, I think I woke up one morning and I was like, you know, I had this inflated ego, you know, my band was doing so well, like in my bubble, you know, in, in our city, in new Orleans and in, in Louisiana. And, and I think as a 19 year old, I thought, well, it's only uphill from here. Right. I can only, I can only become a successful musician from here. So I emailed my professors and I told them I got signed to a major label and, uh, you know, see you later. <laughs> and did you get signed to a major label? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that that's like a, a barometer in a lot of people's mind for success is sure. whether or not you're signed to a major la- label. When some of the most successful artists that I'm like close with that I could like, could, like text message and talk with, are not signed to a label at all. <laughs> it, well, it used to be. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it used to be more of a uh, an important thing. And in speaking of labels, I, I get back from this tour, and you know, was seeing probably some of the peak of 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 my musical success in and around here, and I decided to start a record label. So that is actually something that I did. Um, for a while now, you know, I used the, the term record label vaguely. There were no written contracts. Um, it was more that I had a studio space and, and this was actually crazy. This fell into my lap um, because I had I had all this gear that my, my gramps pretty much just said, here, you can take this. I brought it up to um, Baton Rouge where I was living and I needed a space to record. I, I started off in my friend's uh, like a workshop and he had like a screen printing um, business and he had a workshop and I got my first clients over MySpace, just advertising like, Hey, you know, I'm the guy from that local band that you guys know I'm recording. And so like rock bands, garage rock bands, punk bands, local bands started coming in and tracking with me. And then eventually uh, I moved into this uh, TV station that wasn't active anymore. And their weather room, their green screen room and the, um, the studio room that was attached to that, had been open and not used for for years, and this really kind lady um, let me 
use this space as a studio for totally free, just out of the kindness of her heart. I think she thought she was sort of like um, contributing to the arts in the city. And so I made a living recording bands for 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 years, just flying by the seat of my pants. I, I never read a, a manual. I, I wasn't like studying YouTube videos. Everything was just, you know, um, through experimentation. And um, I look back at those recordings and they sound like total garbage, you know, but um, <laughs> you, you know, you live, you learn. So point just being uh, these bands are coming through. I was recording so many of them. We had all this talent. And like I said, there's, there's so many good musicians. There were so many good songwriters in the city. I was like, I need, I need a collective. I need to bring them all together. And I got a crew together. We started booking shows for these bands. Um, they agreed to be a part. It was called Phantom Party Records. And the bands that agreed to be a Phantom Party band would um, agree to come record their albums over here. They would promote for us. We would promote from them. And the scene in the city was just like banging for, I don't know, it was short-lived, probably about a year and a half. Um, things went south. We we weren't making any money. So <laughs> it was purely a passion project, you know, and, and um, I think the other guys had to put on their big boy pants and, and say, look, we don't, we just don't have the time that it takes to run this, you know, and, and maintain it. So, so no, I did not get signed by a major record label. I've been <laughs> DIY, baby. This whole, this whole it's, a, it's a, it's a very interesting thing that I talk about all the time on, on this show. And the listeners are probably really tired of me talking about it, but I just don't see the necessity uh, of of that infrastructure anymore, you know. I I I understand it for some people. And Corey Wong actually on his episode, he mm -hmm. helped me understand why because he's more wired like me. Like, let's just do it. You know, we'll put in the work, we'll put in the time, we'll make the investment, and we'll do it ourselves. And that's that's how he's wired. But he helped me understand that like we're kind of the weird ones in this like in the, in the music industry in particular, like a lot of people just want the flexibility and the space mentally and physically sure. to sure. just create. And that's yeah. really yeah. all they're good at. They're not it, good at, at, at any of the other stuff and they don't have any interest in getting good at the other stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, you've got to respect that because, you know, some of our most important art has been created by people. Are you even maybe, most of our most important art has been created by people that with that kind of wiring. And that helped me oh, kind yeah. of understand like, okay, that I needed, I need to get off my high horse a little bit about the whole, you don't need a label ever sit thing. Cause some people do, some people do oh, need that. assistance oh, yeah. I, and that I mean, backing. It, it takes a certain kind of person, you know, with great amount of drive and motivation and resources and and skills and the ability to learn things on the fly to be able to bring themselves you know up from from the ground up without the help um you know and and, and i guess we're really talking more about being like a successful um say you know songwriter or or music artist you know this is this isn't really pertaining to demos obviously or anything like that right um but um, yeah, you know what's funny is is I teach I teach kids music, right? Um, and and this is something I've been doing for ten years. In the middle of, you know, doing everything else I've done over the last ten years, film industry um, for several years, I was a sound mixer in the film industry and and, and composer. Um, 
of very, you know, like terrible indie films and just all low level stuff. But um, at teaching kids for 10 years, you know, you get into some interesting conversations. And, and sometimes when you've been doing it as long as I have, you find yourself um, unloading maybe, you know, a, a little bit more than you should. <laughs> um, when, when a kid asks a question, you know, um, and, and I had a student, she's uh, maybe nine yesterday and she was telling me she wanted to go to a harry styles concert i think he's the one of the singers from one direction who who kind of took off and did his own thing and um he's coming to texas which is close enough to us for her to be able to go but she was like sad because the tickets for harry styles were three hundred dollars and so then i started explaining to her about (laughs) why why music tickets and stadium concert tickets are so expensive because of the shift in income for music artists um, moving away from CD sales, record sales, things like that, to pretty much just being um, royalties and concert revenue, you know. And so the the price of tickets for concerts has gone up. And then, of course, scalping. So I was explaining, like, scalping, you know. I'm like, well, you see, you know, the tickets go for sale, but then these other people, these bad people, they buy them. <laughs> and then they, <laughs> they sell it for more. She's looking at me like, I don't, well, I don't understand. <laughs> I just wanted to complain about <laughs> Harry Styles tickets prices. That's all I wanted. <laughs> Yeah, please, Mr. Hartman, please stop. <laughs> please stop it. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a, to that point now. You know, though, that's that's the only way you can make a a, a real living. You know. Well, and that's the other side of it. Is you know that is that is definitely the narrative. Is is touring and concert revenue is the main thing, and and that is definitely true to a degree. But I've also talked to enough people at this point to realize that especially at the the smaller non Harry Styles level of things mm-hmm, most mm-hmm. tours don't make any money so so i heard you talking yeah. about yeah that exact thing um what who are you talking to so one of your I've, podcasts recently it's been a few episodes i've talked about it with so i'm not exactly yeah. sure it could have been a few different people yeah, well, you know, I guess it depends. You know, I, I've grown up around bands and all the bands that are my friends in this area that have done van tours. And of course, my own tour, my one, my one Eastern US tour that lasted a month. Yeah, we came back with um, negative uh, $400. Right. You know, um, but I, I think when, you know, when you're signed to a label, you go on a tour, I would imagine you do get, you know, hopefully 50% maybe 60% of, you know, the income that comes from those, those stadium tickets. So as an artist, I would hope that you at least at that point do make some money. Um, T-shirt sales, you know, record sales, merch sales, at least all that stuff. I I think it, I think it's doable. I think it's extremely challenging. I think it's, it's not as cut and dry as what the general narrative is. It's like go on tour to make money. It's like, Okay, but there's a lot that goes into that. And, you know, you might end up playing, you know, a show. For instance, your band did really well in your local area, but you got to if you ever made it to Oregon, you know, there's a good chance that nobody had heard of you before and vice versa. There's plenty of local Portland bands that do great around here. And as soon as they leave the state, it's it's ghost town, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a tough it's a tough thing. We talked about off the so, off the recording how it's it's tough. The rock star life is tough and I am not cut out for it. <laughs> Personally. Well, you know, and so that that actually that brings me back around because that's that is the reality I think for a lot of creatives. Um you know, I some people um 
just don't have that that DNA. You know, uh, I, I know people that do. Uh, and and there's this guy, Andrew Martin, uh, who was in a band called Twin Killers that was very successful around here. And then they turned into this band called Moon Honey that was very successful around here. They moved away. He ended up joining this other band and I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but he's doing like tours or he was doing tours internationally. Um, and he's like an awarded guitarist now. Fender endorses him. And this dude looks like white Jimi Hendrix. Dresses like, I mean, uh, his his hair is always teased. Every, I mean, I, I swear he goes to bed and he wakes up in the morning and he's got like a gold chain. He's wearing like a V-neck button-down shirt with the, the, <laughs> the top three buttons unbuttoned. I he's like it. like a skinny as skinny as a two and he just lives that lifestyle that's his persona he lives he breathes it when he's on stage he's a freak you know he's like sliding he's climbing amps you know um and yeah being in in bands um after the after the label and continuing you know to try and make it um in a band I, I did realize at a point, I'm 31 now, so I was 29 when I started demoing pedals, and, and that was about the time that I think I had a, a kind of wake-up call, and I realized no one's coming out to, to these shows anymore. You know, all my friends are, are not 19, they're not 20, they're not, like, looking for something to do on the weekends, um, and... You know, unless you have the money and the freedom and the band members that have the money and the freedom and the time to, you know, um, in, invest in, in touring to physically go spread your name out and all the other things that, that go along with DIY, um, you know, uh, musicianship and, and, and trying to, to make yourself as, as a band or as, as a songwriter then there's really not much um, chance that you're really going to see a, a whole lot of success outside of, you know, like we're talking about your own personal bubble. So I think I, I woke up one day and, and I just said to myself, I'm tired of writing songs. And at this point, you know, this has been 16 years since I've been writing and been and for each project that I've been in. And I think I might've written, you know, with compositions included for, for films and, and stuff, maybe 300 songs, you know, with lyrics, full blown out stuff, fully arranged, you know, um, on hard drives and, and loopers and, and just saved and tossed around. And I was just kind of tired of, of nobody listening. You know, it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard to just post your stuff, your stuff out in the internet and, and say, Hey, I put out something new today. You know, I, I really put a lot of work. I created this. Um, MySpace used to be great for that. MySpace isn't around anymore. Um, people used to actually listen to MySpace. So I thought, you know, if I attach my writing to to a product, and I and I love pedals, you know, so don't get me wrong. Like, like there was totally an excitement in it there for me because I've been like a pedal board enthusiast and a and fanatic for, for years already at this point. It's like if I attach myself to a product, then at the very least, I'll get like maybe 100 views, right? You know, mm-hmm. somebody will click. Well, somebody will click on this. Um, right. Not for me because they want to hear the thing, but at least they'll listen to it, (laughs) but at least they will listen to, I know the guy that sounds so desperate. Right. But, um, I understand where I was at. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what started. Like, what was the first demo that you did? Mm. Well, um, so, I mean, I think I got the, uh, I, I did like six at, at the same time. Um, I, I got this idea, you know, for the, to do the pedal demos and 
when I got it, I was so excited. I, I think I just, sometimes I'll have these epiphanies in my life where I'm just like, when I met my wife, for example, I just knew, knew that she was going to be the one that I was going to marry. And I mm -hmm. did, I married her. And uh, that's just the way that my life goes. And then I'll go long treks of time having no clue what's going on um, <laughs> or what I'm supposed to be doing, you know. I wish there were more of them. But I had that epiphany and I, I, I started going on Reverb and getting on Instagram, following a lot of companies, you know, trying to figure out what are some buzz pedals, you know, what's, what's going on. I mean, and I had a pretty good idea because I was following a lot of this stuff and I had a pedal board that was pretty well outfitted. Um, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, you know, when you're coming into this stuff, you kind of assume that every, every company's big, every company is worth doing work for, or, 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 you know, putting a pedal up to, to work with. So I got the Alpha Haunt from Old Blood Noise Endeavors. I got the Volante um, from Strymon. That was the very first one I ever published was Volante. Um, I already was a big Spaceman fan and I ordered a Nebula and a Mercury 4 boost. Nebula is like their octave fuzz that they had for a while. Um, I got a Rainbow Machine and I got an Alexander Radical DX delay. So those were the first six pedals um that i set out to do something with and so it's it's pretty wild actually what happened i published the volante demo and i published the spaceman nebula demo these were just shot with my iphone 6 the front camera right the the crappy camera um and we were doing construction in our dining room and so there were like there was no panels uh on the walls I had like an air conditioner vent in the background, totally different angles. I didn't color it. I, I sent it off to a friend who edited it for me. And he was like, Hey, do you want some text in this? And I was like, Oh yeah, text, you know, that would be, that'd be a good idea. You know? Uh, Cause I, I, I knew I didn't want to talk. That was like one thing um, I set out in the, in the beginning of this to, to establish. I, I was telling the old blood noise endeavors guys about this on my live stream the other day. Um, I think I, I had a couple simple ideas that I wanted to like get across. I wanted it to be a song in context with, you know, a uh, full band arrangement, right? So you can hear the pedal in, in context with stuff. I wanted it to be original, no talking, short, so it's digestible, you know, um, just the way things are moving and how fast things are moving. Everybody only has a few minutes to spare. And with that, I guess, you know, I need text. So my friend just threw some text on there. I think I, I texted him what to say, and he like slapped it together. So day one, Strymon comments on it, and to me that meant the world. That was like, oh my god, Strymon recognized me. Like I'm gonna be a Strymon guy now, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. I'm getting gear, you know. Um, and uh, but then even better, even beyond that, you know, what really happened is that. Zach from Spaceman uh, messaged me like three hours later. I was on my way to an orthodontist appointment. Three hours later, messages me and he goes, dude, I love that demo. Could I send you this new pedal that we're working on um, for a release that we're, we're having, you know, in like a month and a half? And that was it, man. I mean, that, that blew my mind. That was um, – you know, I think at the time I was just like, yeah, you know, I, I did it. I, I made something good. And then looking back now, I'm like, that was just freaking lucky. You know, like there's, <laughs> I, I don't know how this guy saw that and thought, you know, this would be something. Um, so thank you, Zach. And I've told him, I've told him this many times, but I'm like, I mean, thank you for believing in me. Thank you for just giving me a chance, you know, um, 
and doing that. That really started. And I think that motivated me to do more. And uh, it wasn't long after that that um, Alex Fletcher, our mutual friend, right? Mm-hmm. He was working for Solid Gold, Solid Gold Effects. And uh, I had done a couple more demos. I had reached out to a couple more companies. And, of course, I'm getting, you know, cold shouldered by by companies because that's companies deal with this stuff on a daily basis. Like, hey, can I demo? Can you send me free product? You know, like, no, oh, man. Hey, I'm at- <laughs> right, right. I'm intimately familiar with this process. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's it's it. I'm sorry if I, I'm derailing nope. the conversation. Oh, a little no, bit, no, but no, it's, please. It's one of those things, man. It's uh, sometimes we, we, I manage a lot of inboxes, as a lot of people are aware. And some, some things, and I'm not saying that this is you, obviously, I like what you do, but a lot of things, I'm sorry to, to say it this way, that they're not worth replying to. You know, it's like I can tell, like, I'll look at one inbox from one company that I manage and another inbox from another company I manage. And I see that the same person messaged both companies with the same thing, sometimes forgetting to change the name of the company and why they're contacting them. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm not even going to waste my time to tell you no. I'm just going to delete it because I don't care. Like, you know, you didn't you didn't even care enough to change the words, you know, uh, it's 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 so it's amazing how that still happens and i was talking with uh jack deville about this yesterday from mr black and Mm -hmm. i was like don't these people realize that in this industry like everyone talks to each other most of these people are friendly with each other in some way shape or form at least friendly enough that like if jamie at earthquaker gets something ridiculous into his inbox you know, there's a decent chance that you someone, know, else, someone else is going know to about hear that. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah. Anyway, random tangent, but no, sorry, continue. Uh, well, I mean, it's still a thing, you know, um, and we could probably get into um, probably one thing I would imagine some of my followers would like me to talk about because I get messages about it a lot. Um, are like how to get into pedal demoing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and what should I, what should I do? How do I be creative or how do I get over imposter syndrome and, and feeling like, uh, you know, people actually want to listen to my stuff. So maybe we can come back to that, but, um, I was going to say you get over that. I, yeah, right? uh, uh, <laughs> I think, I think you, you, you have to forge a different path, you know, and it, Andy Othling and I were, were talking about this, uh, and Dan, um, from, from old blood just just the other day um, about imposter syndrome because that was a specific question one of my followers was asking me on there and um, Dan had a lot of really nice words to say about it and and I, I think I I said something but I didn't really quite get my point across um, and, and we kind of changed topic but you know it, to avoid imposter syndrome you just can't you can't do something derivative you can't be trying to be you know if you for me I'm not a, a blues riffer. You know, um, like I'm not I'm not someone who ever grew up listening to the blues. And, and that's just that's just me. Like I have nothing against blues music. And obviously it's the roots of, of you know, everything that we you know listen to. But I think it's just where my headspace was at when I was a teenager. I was um, I was trying to find more experimental stuff. You know, I kind of would turn away from that. And so I never grew up being like a very pentatonic based like guitar player. Um, and so you don't see it in my stuff. Right. It, it doesn't really 
come out. Now, I would have imposter syndrome if I was trying to play like RJ Ronquillo, you know, uh, who's an immensely better guitar player than than myself and than most people. Most, most people, right? <laughs> so I, there, I might have some imposter syndrome, like, oh, I'm showing off this this overdrive, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to wank out this. For people that are really really good guitar players you know that's that's fine um my interest and i feel like my my talent is mostly like light and creativity and i can handle like most things on the guitar so um you know if you if you are trying to make demos you're trying to 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 be a creative you got to find your own thing your own sound and then beyond that it, it you just got to hope that people are interested in in listening to it and and that's where just being smart about how you, you know, present yourself, film yourself, how you edit things, who you work with comes into play. Um, so that's what I would say about that. Um, but where were we? We were, we were talking about uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you were saying that your 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 followers often ask you. And this is a very common question that I get when I'm like, you know, I'll post in the Facebook group. You know, I'm like, hey, you know. Rhett Scholl's coming on the podcast, and that's like the number mm -hmm. one question anytime there's a YouTuber or, uh, is, how do I get into this? Like, how ah, do I yeah. do this? How do I find my way? How do I get people to want to send me things? How, you know, how do you even get started? And the answer, well, I'll let you answer that. Because the answer is usually the, kind of the same from for, for all of these people. So I want to hear your take on it. Well, you know, I, I can't speak with a whole lot of authority because I haven't, you know, ascended to the level, um, you know, that Rent Shull has. And, and man, he's on like a whole new track uh, with his new studio space and, and live stream and stuff. But, um, you know, I did get started. I did do that. I got that. I got that far. And, and I am two years in and I do work with a lot of builders. Um, and and generally, I, I, I think they say nice things about me. Um, I hope they like working with me. Um, but yeah, um, I did it the, the old fashioned way of, of just kind of um, slamming my shoulder against the door and saying, Hey, uh, I'm here. I do this. And, and that, that was just me not being very educated about, you know, the YouTube world, not doing a whole lot of research, not uh, having a photography or a videography background, not having a nice camera, things like that. Started shooting with my phone I think that first step that's the first step is the hardest thing for people to make. So regardless of what that first step is, obviously it doesn't have to be perfect because mine wasn't. Um, you just have to take that leap. You have to create something. Start there. You know, I'm in a discord group with a lot of demo people and uh, we talk about this a lot, you know, um, and I think there's there's like a running joke, you know, not a running joke, but like we comically say, make 10 videos that look professional, um, you know, self-market, garner some interest yourself, uh, get a reasonable amount of views, then make your first email to a company. You know, you have to have something. You have to have something. You can't just cold email these companies and say, hey, I would like to demo your product, blah, blah, blah. I've had, you know, they don't care about your background. They don't know where you came from. Um, like at the end of the day, you need to sell pedals and a lot a lot of builders are small crews they don't make a ton of profit every year i would imagine you know and so every pedal that they send out is uh valuable to them and 
they're, you know, and then for some companies it's different, you know, sometimes sending out a pedal is like nothing, but it's that first step. You, you gotta, you gotta at least start making, you know, your videos gauge how people are responding to that. And then that was, that was me. I, um, I gauged, you know, eight, seven, eight videos in and the Reddit community is responding really well. You know, I think, I think the Reddit R pedals, I'm sure you're familiar with, with that forum, Mm -hmm. right? Oh yeah. R guitar pedals. I don't think they like me in there for some reason, but you know, (laughs) Mm. when they, when they get a whiff, yeah. When they get a whiff of paid promotion or endorsement um, or, you know, official channel, things kind of go south there. You've got, you got a lot of, I don't know why there's just the disdain for and the paid promotion goes to like a whole nother t- topic of chatter this week. Um, you know, if you, you follow that, that YouTube video that they created a wave, but seven, eight videos in, I'm getting some good views there, but I, I think I, I thought to myself, like, I need to do something wilder, you know, something bigger. It can't just be pedal demos. And so my crazy self, I, I, I go on reverb and put on credit like, 15 fuzz pedals from 15 different companies that I just kind of like surfed around thought, Oh, that looks cool. I borrowed some other fuzz pedals. Um, I already had some and maybe I've only bought like 12 and I got up to 19. So I had like 19 in my hands and I, I published this video, which took me three days to film and was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And it was called 19 songs for 19 fuzzes. And it was like a, maybe a six minute video and I used 19 fuzz pedals and it was this one never ending song. Um, so it, it, it was not never ending. It ended, but it was, uh, it was a continuous song, I should say. Um, and uh, it was, it was, it was nuts. I published it. I assumed that at least, I think my thought was if I tag 19 companies, one of these companies will, <laughs> will respond back. Um, you know, those are my odds, at least one. And Alex from solid gold effects saw that video and a lot of companies did share it, and that was really cool of them. But he saw it, and he emailed me, and he immediately was like, hey, I want to send you a, ba- a batch of Solid Gold Effects pedals. Sent me six, six SGFX pedals, like, the next week. And it, it was it was what I needed. You know, it was my motivation to, to, to push it further, get better, you know, um, change my filming setup. Uh, adapt my recording setup, make better quality videos. And so to anybody else that's out there, you know, creating, if someone gives you a break, take it, use it as a sign, use it to push yourself. And things only went uphill from there. You know, more companies started approaching me. Um, Alex started working for mass. And now I do demos for like every mass builder. Um, I get messages from builders, you know, every week reaching out with, with new stuff. And that's what it takes. You know, you have to constantly be willing to improve yourself, to engage with your audience. Um, be ready to answer a lot of emails, a lot of messages, <laughs> be ready to be looking at your phone. A lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Yeah. I think my last, <laughs> my least favorite part, the screen time report for my iPhone was seven hours and 21 minutes a day. Woo. Good stuff. It's it's bad, man. And and what, do you have a you have you have kids, right? You have a kid? I have two kids, yeah. Two, wow, right. And when you have kids, um, for me, I feel guilty. You know, like if I'm home and he's home and I'm on my phone, oh man, it's uh, I'll get off of it and I'm just like, why, 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 why do I have to be on Instagram <laughs> right now? 
why am I on Instagram right now? I, you know, for me, it's a little bit different, you know, having been in a prior job where I just was not home, like at all. I mean, I'd be Mm -hmm. home, you know, in the evenings and and whatever. But for me, it it feels I, I feel okay with it because I make the time to do stuff with them. You know, especially my yeah. older oh, kid, yeah, you know, sure. and it's it, and I actually have that flexibility to be able to do that. Whereas before I had no flexibility. And and so, you know, it's right. It's one of those right, things right. where I think it's a better. Position yeah, right. exactly. I think about it, I'm like, oh, I spent, you know, 12, 14 hours working today, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have three hours of commute time like I used to have. You know, uh, I yeah. was actually physically here. You know, I, you know, when I take a lunch break, I can, I'm hanging out with my family, you know, uh, you know, sometimes we'll, you know, okay, well, I've got, I've got things kind of in a good stopping point for today. Cause it never ends, but you know, I've got things at a decent stopping point. Let's go to the park, you know, and I have, so while I do spend a lot of time plugged into the internet, I do, I do have the flexibility and ability to be present and do the things I'm supposed That's- to do. That is that is valuable. I mean, it's it's very valuable. I, I, during COVID, you know, my son wasn't at daycare. He's here with me all the time. And this happens if he's sick and he has a sick day, you know, and I shoot all my stuff during the day. Uh, if I have a video launch, right, like so say I have, you know, Alexander's dropping a new pedal and it's supposed to be at like 11 a.m., something like that, right? I will have to sit him down with a snack <laughs> and a cartoon and then proceed to do the hour and a half long, um, you know, list of things that it takes to launch a video, you know, cause it's not, it's not just as simple as like having it ready for publish and hitting publish. It's like hit publish, cut an edit that you can make for your Instagram feed, um, type up all the hashtags that you need for that post make a story post. Um, you know, now it's reels that, that are involved. Okay. Let's go to Reddit guitar pedals. Let's, let's type up a synopsis of why you did this demo because you have to write something in your post. Let's post it and share it. Facebook, you know, Oh, people are messaging me. Oh, I got, I got to respond. And then it's like two hours later, this, you come out of this wormhole and you're like, why, why is it so hard? <laughs> why is there so much? It should just be, as simple as, as hitting publish. So there's a lot to the the creative life. There's a lot to demoing that is more than just cool. I have some pedals. Let me make some cool sounds and I'm going to film a little, you know, snippet of me noodling around. There's so much more really. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the crazy thing, and this is something I, I, you know, I don't have, I have a very tiny YouTube channel and um, I've, I put a lot of work into it last year and I, I did find what's wonderful about YouTube mm-hmm. is that, you know, the more work you put into it, it does reward you. It does, it does, you know, things work the way you imagine they work over there most of the time. And uh, what I found, though, that is most frustrating is seemingly the more effort I would put into making something and creating something that I thought was cool, the worse, inevitably, the video did. And if I did an unboxing or some dumb <laughs> thing, thing that didn't take very long yeah. oh, of yeah. course that's the one that everybody yeah. watches yeah. and it, <laughs> i don't know why that is oh oh yeah and and it hurts it hurts and you have people on tiktok that you know um will just 
do a, a water bottle toss and, and have it land and, and then they get a, a million views and that took them, you know, one minute, <laughs> you know, or a few seconds. And then meanwhile, us, us creatives over here are, are uh, spinning our gears and spilling our blood and, and uh, yeah, that's the way it goes. So, it so you'll, you'll like this. I, I, I've been doing a little bit on TikTok. So I made a video. This was, this was probably two months ago. I made a short video not thinking it was going to do anything. Uh, just saying like, hey, here's this Ranger FX mini bar. Uh, this crazy thing mm-hmm. you can pour. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't even remember. It took me like literally like 30 seconds to, to shoot. Well, that pedal gets attention. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it does. So I, I was like, here's this thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, you can pour liquid in it. How crazy. I don't even remember exactly what the video was. It was dumb. It wasn't of any consequence. I wake up in the morning and it's got like 60,000 views. I think as of right now, it's got like 220,000 views. And oh my God. and the actual videos that I've done for, I've done two different ones where I, one with I did just straight water and one where I did coffee. I think the water one did all right. I got like 20,000 views. The one where I did coffee and like showed like actually what it sounds like, it's only got like 1,600. And now this is not... This sounds like a lot more than it actually is. People need to understand that this is TikTok is even more algorithm driven than YouTube in my mind. Like you can have zero followers on TikTok and this is kind of the beauty of it. You can have zero followers on TikTok and get a million views potentially. Not saying it's going to happen, but it does happen more often than other platforms. And and so but I just find it so, so strange. I'm like the content that is just kind of the teaser did great. And then I did a, a follow-up video because I didn't really explain. A lot of the comments were, what is this thing? What? I don't understand what it is. So I, I did a follow-up video. I'm like, wow, I didn't expect this to blow up. Here's what this pedal does. And I'll show you some sounds when I have time to actually record them. And the teasers did way better. I think the, the first one did 220. I think the next one was like 120. And the rest are just like, a, like it's so strange. It, it, the ones I actually put that some is, work into got yeah. nothing. Well, you know, those, the, it, it's such a passerby thing, you know, I, I, I think, TikTok. you know, the people that especially, especially TikTok, but that is also the reality of almost all these platforms to some degree now, um, which can be a bit defeating sometimes as a, as a creative, you know, you post something or, I mean, or even if a new product comes out, a new pedal comes out, you know, there's buzz for a day or two or three and then it's like the world moves on <laughs> that like, just like that, it's gone. The world is, the world has moved on. Um, so you either have to just keep rolling with it and, and keep creating or, um, or take it to heart and, and just real, you know, and then maybe in that case, it's, it's not for you. You kind of have to grow some, some skin there. Yeah. Some tough skin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that I have to say is what's beautiful about podcasting. Podcasting, at least from my experience, is is so insane. Mm-hmm. The the amount of time that people are willing to 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 spend with you because it's more of a passive experience is sure so much more. So like Spotify actually shows me like the average like listen times and everything. And you know generally the main episodes for this thing are around an hour, and then you know there's some intro and outro. So they're usually just just a little over an hour. Um, in total runtime and you know consistently i go to every episode average listen time 
one hour, two minutes. Next one, one hour, nine minutes, like out of an hour, 14 episode, you know, it's, yeah. And, you know, there's enough data on my Spotify uh, page now. That is very, that's very surprising. Well, if you, um, if I, to, I mean, not 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 saying anything about your show, just surprising, just for people in general. Well, yeah, because you like know, YouTube's like a minute and a half. People. Yes, you know, if yeah, you're and I make short whatever, videos. You know. yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it is. I already make short videos, and and already, yeah. I, I do think it has a lot to do with the when you go to listen to a podcast, you know that you're going to spend more than ten minutes doing that most of the time like there's not very many podcasts that are under that that runtime i think people expect that they're going to at least they're they they know that if they enjoy what they're listening to and they're going to spend at least 30 minutes with it i think it is probably yeah. general consensus yeah. so if they're really into it if it's really you know making their work day easier or whatever mundane task they're dealing with at that time i mean that kind of makes sense that pencils with how I listen to shows, you know, I, I pretty much listen. If I have a show I like, I pretty much listen to the whole thing. It might be in, in bits and pieces here and there, but I do usually finish them. Yeah. So anyway, that's why I released my record no. as a, well, I haven't released it yet, but by the time people hear this, I will have released it. That's why I'm releasing it as a podcast episode. <laughs> so wait really yeah ah well oh wow and that's smart people are probably gonna get really tired of hearing the story by the time that this comes out but since i haven't told you uh basically i've been trying to talk to bands and different people from the music industry into this concept for about a year and a half or two years is like especially if you look at spotify the way that people consume music and podcasts is starting to blend together They're you know, so much that they are now on the same platform. Oftentimes, uh, Spotify sure. for me, Spotify sure. is growing every literally every single day. And the other platforms are, I, I have to imagine some of that is people leaving, you know, Apple podcasts, going to Spotify, et cetera. But basically I'm like, they're, they're still streamed audio. They're MP3 streamed to your, ears the same exact way through the same yeah. devices yeah and i was like why no quality loss so. yeah mm. so it's it's all the same so why couldn't you release a record as uh, on an rss feed as a, as a podcast and if you were an established mm. artist why couldn't you do that and potentially get a sponsor for it just like a podcast does and actually make a little bit off of your record why couldn't you do that especially somebody who already has listeners and so i've been trying to talk yeah. bands into doing this and the response generally has been like that's a really cool idea and that's pretty much it <laughs> i'm the only the only downside the only downside i can see is is like you know not having the ability to skip songs or find the seams well depending you know, on how you do tracks. it you could so like my record is meant to be all listened to at once so i'm not as concerned about that mm-hmm. but you could you could release you could you could hypothetically go like at the top of the record, you could go, this record is brought to you by Jones Soda Company or whatever. They made this whole thing possible. Thank you. Blah, 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 blah. And then you could start, then you could have the next track be another episode. Just like, I mean, like I said, it's, it's, if you plan it out and release them in order, you could release it exactly like, I see what you're saying. Like yeah. a record. Yeah. And then you could just go to the next episode, which would be the next track. 
So even that is, you know, it's slightly different, but, but you, your listening right. experience could right. remain no, the same. So hmm. that's what I'm doing. My, my record as people, my listeners are probably tired of me talking about it, but it is, it is available on this feed. Uh, uh, sponsored by Sweetwater and uh, it will be available only on the podcast feed for the next few months and then it'll go out to the streaming platforms so yeah that's what I'm doing very cool very <laughs> cool uh, I just re- no, that's awesome I man. just realized um, that we've we're over an hour and I haven't even got it into the classic questions with you yet we really just went for it this has been great do you do do you ever edit these? You ever edit these? Uh, very rarely. The conversation. Very very rarely. <laughs> <laughs> As in almost never, basically. So so what are what are the um the classic questions? the classic questions? Are you ready for those? Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm All totally right. ready. I've got my my head before on. we do that. Let's uh, let you put up a billboard. What do you want to tell people? You've got a chance to talk to a couple thousand people right now and tell them something. What would you like to tell them? Oh, wow. Uh, that's quite a spot to be, be put on. Um, if you, if you aren't familiar with what I do, uh, at least, you know, these days, um, spiral caster plays pedals. That's my YouTube channel. Um, and I take guitar pedals usually one at a time, although I'm, I'm expanding uh, right now. I'm sort of in the middle of, of, of doing a new format of video. Um, and I create a song. It's usually more like a, a series of song parts that I stitch together. Song ideas, you know, um, you could essentially like take different segments out of my song and one could be the chorus for a hook for a song or one could be a verse hook for another song and i will change keys sometimes i will change um drum sounds and i i stitch things together but my whole objective is like when i sit down with a pedal um at the beginning of a filming session or, or recording session is i just will read the manual over. I will spend a good 30 minutes, you know, uh, just playing with the pedal and turning knobs, seeing what it does. What's all the cool stuff. I'll do my best to try and find every notable feature that the pedal has. Um, like on this, for example, young hearts by polar bear effects, uh, demo that I, I just finished. It's going to be published tomorrow. Um, actually it will have been published by the time you hear this. Um, it's this delay pedal and it's got a ton of knobs on the front and it's got a momentary effects switch on it, like a foot switch. And that foot switch does like 12 different things, just depending on where your toggle switches are, are set. Um, whether you have this little light engaged where your attack and release knobs are. I mean, it's, it's nuts. Um, there's no presets on the pedal. Um, so you just have to know, you know, these things. So, I kind of take stock of everything the pedal does, and then I try to show at least one example of every sound, thing, feature, function that it can do within this song. Um, if it's a simple pedal, I'll do like a four-minute track, you know, like an overdrive. I try not to do those too much anymore because, I mean, I pretty much just use overdrive already in all my demos. i much rather demo something wacky and weird. And it, if it's a big pedal like the microcosm the night sky um the arcades you know things that just have a lot to it obviously i can't 
get it all across in four minutes. So those will stretch out to seven, eight, sometimes 10 minutes. Um, and, you know, I think the whole thing that I want to get across is just showing people in a short amount of time. I think I said, you know, a little bit about this earlier, but short amount of time, everything that this pedal can do in the context of an original song. Um, I mean, the original part is, is irrelevant. You know, I, I, I put that in there just so people know that I'm, I'm writing original songs, you know, but it's something that I think is cool. And I hope, you know, that as you're listening and if it catches your ear, you might think, you know, Oh, I could do something cool with this. Um, and that, you know, I started doing this out of the me watching all these other pedal demos where people were like starting the video and it'd be two and a half minutes before they would even play anything through the pedal they start playing and then they will just sit on this one topic or this one knob or this one sound one feature um you know for another three minutes and it's like i just found myself scrolling through not that there isn't a need for those demos and and actually you know a lot of my colleagues still will demo pedals um in in ways that are you know longer and show all the features like like those are necessary those are they're very important and there's definitely a, a type of person that that needs that and enjoys that you know definitely people that enjoy that i should say that um and it just me personally i i i find my time my free time in the day is so short so brief it's my circumstances personally i just don't have the time necessarily to sit down and like really engage when I do, sometimes I really enjoy longer videos like on synthesizers. If I ever get a new synthesizer and I, I get new ones all the time, I, I like have to force myself to sit down and, and watch the demos where people are like really talking deeply about what goes on in the synth because then I really get a better, a bigger picture of what's going on and it helps me understand the instrument. But for pedal demos, I, I think it can be done shorter. I think it can be done quicker. and um, And that's what I try to do. So... Uh, I hope you guys will go check out some of my videos and, um, you know, give me a follow and hit me up. I like to talk to, to, to people and answer questions and chit chat. So that would probably be about it. Blake, did you have I think, another one? Yeah, I got a couple more. Are you ready for these ones? Oh gosh. Okay. I'll, I'll make these faster. Okay. okay well, sure. we'll see if you can. Some people can't. This, okay. this gets intense. First one. What is your favorite boss pedal? Oh, my favorite boss pedal. Um, oh, this is this is a this is a topic that I've I've gotten some um, some fire on because I'm I'm not a big boss pedal user. Um, I don't really have anything against boss per se, uh, and I will say this: my first pedals, um, other than that XB three hundred Space Station Digitech that I had when I was I didn't even realize that was a pedal. You know, like when I was a teenager. Uh, I didn't really know what pedals were. It was just this big yellow thing that made cool, you know, ambient sounds. But my first real pedal that like I, I, I bought with my own money, it was while we were on that tour I was talking about earlier. Um, I, I realized two shows in that I needed, I was just playing out of my PV classic, um, you know, is what I was used to. And I would have like a little overdrive on. I realized I needed to be able to switch overdrive on and off. You know, I needed like a clean setting and an overdrive setting. I didn't have a foot switch for that amp. So I stopped at a guitar center and I bought a, a TU2 tuner. Um, I think that's what they're called, the TU2, TU3, you know, series, and an SD1 overdrive. And I uh, had those pedals for a really long time, pretty 
short after shortly after that i got the ps5 phase shifter um pedal pitch shifter i'm sorry the pitch shifter the ps5 mm-hmm. pitch shifter i still have that pedal it is beat up to hell still works the knobs uh like the top little secondary knobs are um are bent and they barely turn but that is still my favorite pedal to like step on and bend so i i would have to say my favorite boss pedal is probably and i've had several you know over the years since then probably the ps5 all right ps5 um, the ps5 pitch shift oh. Like it's it. a bendy pitch shifting machine. It's cool. Nice. Very nice. All right. This is the one that might be a little bit difficult to condense. And it's the one that people okay. get really heated up about. Families have been broken up. You know, it's 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 a it's a touchy subject. Don't don't break up. I my mean, family. Hey, I'm not gonna do it. You might, depending on how you answer this question. So Okay. Oh god. It's pressure. What kind of pizza do you like? Oh man, I am an everything pizza. Like the kitchen floor. That is my answer. The kitchen floor. Put it on there. Meat, vegetables, mushrooms, extra cheese. Leave hold maybe hold the sardines, you know. Uh otherwise that that's me all around. Yeah. Man. How about your crust choices? You like them thick, you like them thin, or you just you want it all? Oh, I, you know, if I had to go, I would just swing one way or the other. It would be thin just because you can eat more of it. You know, <laughs> why? Who doesn't like to eat more pizza? I've never met anyone who doesn't like to eat more pizza. I've never. I'm waiting for the shoe to drop on this. Where, like, I've had people say, like, you know, because of my dietary choices, like, I don't eat much pizza, you know, things like that, which I, under, I can understand. Um, but I've never had anybody be like, I'm waiting. I, it, it it may happen one day where someone says, you know, I just don't really like pizza, and, and I won't, if won't be able to tell don't the like episode, pizza, You know, you you can quote me on this. If you don't like pizza, you will not find success in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right about that. I think you're right. So serious. I, you, right now. I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll take it even further. You won't find success in most industries. Yeah. You might have some success yeah. at the anti-pizza brigade annual meeting, and that's about it. And there'll be three people there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not even like a gathering or or a party here. Or, or uh, it's just it's just a very formal meeting. Those people aren't very fun. No, no. Yeah. I'm not gonna say who I was gonna. No, I'm not gonna go there. I was gonna say somebody that would be be there, but I'm not gonna say it anymore because that would be. It's going too far. <laughs> Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. This was a really great chat, and uh, I was my, my pleasure. Really enjoyed man. it. Thank you. So, for Cohen, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, there you have it, folks. There is another one in the can. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you need more talking, if you need more of these kinds of conversations in your ears, you can go over to Patreon, where you can help support the show for just five bucks a month and get extra audio content beamed directly to your ears in the same player you're already using every single week, usually in the form of extended interviews with that week's guests. So please, if you can, slide over to patreon.com slash tone mob and help us out. Literally, literally, literally helping keep the lights on. I can't stress that enough. So thank you so much to the patrons. Thank you to so much to everyone. And please, the the thing you can do, even if you can't quite swing that right now, which I understand, times are weird. I get it. I totally get it. 
If you can't swing that right now, tell a friend. Please share this with somebody. Tell somebody that you think would get something out of this. And it might take several times. I know it took uh, took my friend Leon probably five or six times of telling me to listen to Chasing Tone before I ever listened to an episode so many years ago. And then uh, next thing I know, I'm the co-host of that podcast. Uh, fast forward like seven years later. So, you know, podcasts can change lives. So please share your favorite show with a friend. Hopefully it's this one or, you know, any of your others. Support your favorite creators. Do what you can where you can. And sometimes just getting more ears and eyeballs on their stuff is the best thing you could possibly do. All right, everybody. You know, if you have a friend you haven't talked to in a while, give them a call. They might need to hear from you. They might be waiting and just thinking, I wish so-and-so would call me right now. I I've been want to talk to them for ages, and I just, you know, I hope they call me. So call your friend. Do that. Let's, let's close out with that for this week. Call your friend. All right, bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style. Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out.